Hey everybody, this is Don, uh, coming to you a defeated man. I have spent the better part of this week trying to edit this weekend's episode on Dungeons and Dragons to make it sound as best as I could. Unfortunately, when I went in to piece all the pieces together, the editing system that I used was cutting off parts of the episode. So, unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to release the audio in its raw form so unfortunately our guest zach is going to sound like he's speaking from another room because of a microphone issue that we were not aware of until the very end of the episode and by then it was too late and because we had a guest we couldn't re-record like we've done before so uh unfortunately uh it probably serve you best if you listen to this episode with headphones because uh, sometimes zach is a little hard to hear I did my best to make it where he was audible, but even then there were times when he's difficult to hear because of the echo. I really feel bad about releasing this episode um, in its form, but unfortunately there is no other solution. Uh, trust me, I've tried all week to get this to work. Uh, so I do apologize. Enjoy the episode as best you can, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons. So if you would like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't afford monetary donations, we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod. And if you would share us around and give us five-star ratings on whatever podcast you're into, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. If living in the 80s taught me anything, if it's bad, it must be Satan. So, uh, so we're not even going to, to delay with chit chat. Welcome everybody to two towns over a podcast, a true crime podcast for stoners by stoners. That was something else that came up in com or comments recently. Nice. That we're the perfect <laughs> show for stoners made by stoners. So I'm going with that. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I have not consumed any gummies before. Coming. I thought this was a very serious, factual. No. Never Zach no. didn't know what he was getting into. Zach brought notes. Okay. I brought Gatorade and notes. Yeah. <laughs> He's going straight lace. Meanwhile, in 10 minutes when Ruben arrives. Oh, I'll be able to smell it. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so welcome back to Satanic Sundays. It's been a couple weeks, but we have finally... Uh, Gotten back to normal. Everything we're is back on track. But uh, so we're just going to get started. So today we, we're we're talking about uh, D and D, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh huh. Uh -huh Perfect uh -huh, timing, uh -huh. considering Dungeon, Dungeons yeah. and Daddies. Dungeons and Daddies, and considering that the movie just came out and is actually doing well. Two days prior to today, mm -hmm. recording date. I don't know if yep. it goes out today or not. No, no. it goes out like next week Sunday and a half from now. Yeah. yeah, I ain't that damn good. I go home. I go home <laughs> and go to bed. Talent. But. 
And no, <laughs> that's, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, as soon as you press play on like your Spotify player or whatever, we all have to scramble really quickly to, <laughs> yeah. to grab the microphones and start talking again. So my real quick uh, movie review, because that's what we're switching to now. Uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> Honor Among Thieves. Uh, Thieves is amazing. And if you are a D&D fan, you should definitely check it out. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Because I lied. We're not a, a movie review podcast. A movie review podcast by Stoners, for Stoners. For Stoners. There's enough of those. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, uh, so we're just going to go ahead and get started with a little history. So D&D was originally designed by Gary Gigax, which I found out that's how you pronounce G- it. Gigax. Gigax. Right. No. Gary Gigax. Yeah. Gigax. Gigax. And Dave Aronson, or Arneson. Um, so D&D was derived from miniature war games with a variation of the 1971 game Chainmail serving as the initial rule system. Okay. D&D's publication is commonly recognized as the beginning of what is known as the modern role-playing games, and it's the role-playing game industry, or and the role-playing game industry, and also deeply influenced video games, especially the role-playing video game genre. And it was also, as we know, the moral downfall of America. Yes, absolutely. We were all great until 1979. Mm-hmm. Like- Gary yeah. Gigax, the Antichrist himself. Yes. And, and I blame Reagan. <laughs> as most sensible people do yes. as almost every one of these podcasts we've done in the satanic panic has mentioned his name at some point the moral majority so D departs from traditional wargaming by allowing each player to create their own character to play instead of a military formation um best thing i can describe for the other version would be like i guess warhammer yeah warhammer yeah, you, yeah. warhammer to a t yeah so uh these characters embark upon adventures within a fantasy setting a dungeon master serves as the game's referee and storyteller while maintaining the setting and each of the advent- in which the adventures occur and playing the role of the inhabitants of the game world, also referred to as non-playing characters or NPCs. In D&D 1.0, the DM was called the referee. Yes. Really? Yep. I know that. Yep, they mm-hmm. did not have the term DM yet. I learned that from Dungeons & Daddies, actually, because okay. they did... There was a dungeon that they went into uh, in like the latter half of the first season where uh, it was D&D 1.0 yeah. set oh. inside the dungeon. Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah, he had to like that. roll up a new character yeah. and go in in D&D And 1. one of the guys mm-hmm. died like immediately because he oh. didn't check the door for poison trap. Oh. Yep. Yeah, poison. <laughs> poison was an insta-kill in yeah. D&D yeah. 1.0. Yep. So uh, the characters form a party and they interact with the settings, inhabitants, and each other. Together, they solve dilemmas, engage in battles, explore, and gather treasure and knowledge. In the process, the characters earn experience points to rise in levels and become increasingly powerful over a series of separate gaming sessions. So an immediate predecessor of Dungeons & Dragons was a set of medieval miniature rules uh, written by Jeff Perrin. These were expanded by Gary Gigax, whose additions uh, included a fantasy supplement before the game was published as Chainmail. When wargame developer uh, Dave Wesley entered the army in 1970, his friend and fellow Napoleonic wargamer Dave Ar- Arneson began a medieval variation of Wesley Bra- Wesley's Bronstein games, where players control individuals instead of armies. Now, Arneson used chainmail to resolve uh, combat. As play progressed, Arneson added such innovations as character classes, experience points, level advancement, armor class, and others. Oh, so it's more... D&D as we know it now is more his invention than Gary's. Well, we're yeah. So, we're going to get there. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do it that. all the time. It, we, we we've actually turned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does it really well when he's writing the scripts. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so well, it's because I write them uh, until like 8 a.m. the night before. Like oh. I'm procrastinating a fucking book report. <laughs> And uh, I get so delirious that I'm like, what did I put that in the script or did I just read it and save it for myself to interject with? You know what? I'll just say it. And then it's the next line in the script. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So having partnered previously with Gigax on Don't Give Up the Ship, Arneson introduced Gigax to his Blackmore game and the two of them collaborated on developing, quote, the fantasy game. The game that became Dungeons and Dragons, which was uh, with the final writing and preparation of the text being done by Gigax. The name was chosen by Gigax's two-year-old daughter, Cindy. Upon being presented with a number of choices of possible names, she exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, I like Dungeons & Dragons best. Although less prevalent versions of the story gave credit to his then-wife, Mary Jo. John, is that just your go-to little kid yes. voice? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I try oh, to... Daddy. Oh, oh, Daddy. daddy. You, sound, you kind of sound like a dandy. Like a... <laughs> If we were in the old south, you'd have a mint julep. <laughs> I do declare, Father, I do like that Dungeons and Dragons game that you play. <clears throat> Many Dungeons and Dragons elements appear in hobbies of the mid to late 20th century. For example, character-based role-playing can be seen in improvisational theater. Game world simulations were well-developed in wargaming. Fantasy milieu, specifically designed for gaming, could be seen in Glorantha's board games, which I'd never heard of. No, that doesn't doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Doesn't even ring a bell. Yeah, among others. Now, ultimately, however, Dungeons & Dragons represented a unique blending of these elements. Now, the world of D&D was influenced by world mythology, history, pulp fiction, and contemporary fantasy novels. It was influenced by a 2001 Quentin Tarantino movie? Eh? Pulp Pulp fiction. Fiction. Oh. I'm funny, you see. I get it. It took me a second. (laughs) The importance, I'm sitting there thinking which word as soon as I saw pulp, I was like, oh yeah. And that's, in fact, I actually, as I was doing it, I was like, somebody's going to make a Quentin Tarantino comment. And I just completely fucking forgot. Yes. I love Quentin Tarantino. He's the most overrated director of all time. And you love him for that. I don't love him for that, but both things are true. He's a great director and he's incredibly overrated and his fan club is fucking gross. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So love the, love the man's movies so much. His fans are terrible. <laughs> there there's some there's some duds. Eh, I like most of them. I've only ever Could never seen never get into Reservoir Dogs. I've seen, I didn't I hated Reservoir Dogs because the sound was so bad. I mean it sounded like they were just recording the sound from the room. It was all echoey and shit. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the only DVDs I ever got that didn't have closed captioning. Oh, what the yeah. fuck? So I couldn't understand half of what was being said. Well, and Tarantino movies are so dialogue heavy. I know. So I've seen Reservoir Dogs. I've seen Pulp Fiction. I think I've seen Jackie Brown. I think that's the only Quentin Tarantino movies I've seen. What's What's another dud for you? I'm curious. I don't really like the Kill Bill movies. That's fair, I guess. I like the Kill Bill movies, but I can see why somebody wouldn't. Yeah, I think Pulp Fiction's a little overrated. Oh, it's for sure overrated. It's overrated as fuck, like most of his movies are, but they're still great movies. Something can be great to me and also still be insanely overrated. I mean, that's fair, yeah. Especially being big into, like, anime and stuff. There's so many huge animes that Mm -hmm. are great, but, God, they're overrated. Okay. Nothing will ever be Dragon Ball Z, so... 
<laughs> I see Dragon Ball Z. I um, cannot stand. <laughs> no. I mean, I like Dragon Ball Z. I loved but... it when I was fourteen. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I prefer the Last Airbender. So that's another debate for another day. Read the script. <laughs> so the importance of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit as an influence on D and D is controversial. The presence in the game of halflings, elves, half-elves, dwarfs, orcs, rangers, and the like, as well as the convention of diverse adventurers forming a group, draw comparison to these works. The resemblance was even closer before the threat of copyright action from Tolkien Enterprises. I was about to say. That's why they're halflings instead of hobbits. Uh Right. Um, I believe another nine or ten years and the hobbit will enter public domain and D&D will be able to call its halflings hobbits again. Yeah. So yeah, prompted the name changes of Hobbit to Halflings, Ent to Treant, and Balrog to Balor. From- <laughs> Just move a couple letters around, yeah, take one out. Fine. For many years, Gigax played down the influence of Tolkien in the development of the game. However, in an interview in 2000, he acknowledged that Tolkien's work had a strong impact, though he also said that oh, the no list... Shit. Yeah, huh? like, like, no shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, though he also said that the list of other influential authors was long. The D&D magic system, in which wizards memorize spells that are used up once cast and must be rememorized the next day, was heavily influenced by the dying Earth stories and novels of Jack Vance. The original alignment system, which grouped all characters and creatures into law, neutrality, and chaos, was derived from the novel Three Hearts and Three Lions by Paul Anderson. I did not know that, actually. That's cool trivia. Yeah. A troll described in that work what uh, influenced the D&D definition of that monster. I kind of thought he was like blowing smoke when he said uh, that there were other... He, there are many other authors <laughs> who I took influence from. It's not just Tolkien. I thought he was being a dick about it. And it was totally just Tolkien. But no, that makes sense, actually. So the game had more than 3 million players around the world in 1981, or by 1981, and copies of the rules were selling at a rate of about 750,000 per year by 1984. Beginning with a French-language edition in 1982, Dungeons & Dragons has been translated into many languages beyond the original English. And I looked up the French words for Dungeons & Dragons. Kind of boring. Uh I don't remember now because I didn't write it. Instead... I got the German version. Oh. And it is Verlesse und Drachen. Nice. (laughs) But now you've got me curious, and I have my laptop right here, so give me just a second. By 1992, the game had been translated into 14 languages and sold over 2 million copies in 44 countries worldwide. By 2004, consumers had spent... (laughs) You're you're right, it's boring. Dungeons et Dragons. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> by 2004 consumers have spent more than one billion dollars on dungeons and dragons products and that was just the, buying the two fucking books and the game had been played by more than 20 million people as many as six million people played the game in 2007 i mean and it's only blown up way more in like the last decade yeah, to like kind of the past six or seven years mm-hmm. we've really seen like I'm not 100% sure, like, if it's the podcasters doing it, it's featured in way more, like, popular media now than it ever was yeah, before. Yeah, right. So, and also, the new 5th edition came out and made it very easy for anyone who had never even played it. I think that's the big thing. That's a big thing, yeah. yeah. Well, Stranger like, Things has made it. Uh-huh. Yeah, Stranger Things yep. big. 
and video games do the same thing where you know there will be five games and you basically have to have played from one two three four five to understand the mechanics and what's going on storyline wise and everything and then they'll drop like a refresher like almost rebooting it like this is the one that's friendly for newcomers and then it hits a huge resurgence like a remastering of the original exactly it looks fancier but it's the same old game 5e yeah. was more or less that for Dungeons and Dragons. Because I think didn't they, they made like a huge misstep with like 3.5 or was fourth it fourth edition? Fourth edition. Because they changed up a lot of the rules almost completely. And to the point where it was more like playing a board game version of World of Warcraft right. than it was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm still, I'm, I'm the OG. I remember yeah. when there was only four classes. <laughs> Fighter, Fighter, wizard, thief, cleric. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. That was your old age. <laughs> Put your teeth back in. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I can't. It's all connected. Fuck. All right. Oh, damn. You, writ- you wrote your script too well. I know. <laughs> it, it, all, it all segues too perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, at various times in its history, Dungeons & Dragons has received negative publicity, in particular from some Christian groups for alleged promotion of such practices as devil worship, witchcraft, suicide, and murder. This is directly the moral majority, right? Oh, absolutely. I I was going to say, well, because I know the moral majority was an express group, right? Yeah. Yeah, basically, the moral majority, the best way was the 80s version of QAnon. Right. Not as crazy as QAnon. Yeah. But in the same, still well, as crazy for eighty standards. Right? Crazy for eighty yeah. standards. Yeah, introducing the internet made everything more yes. psychopathic. Yep. Yeah, the internet kind of ruined the world. But uh... weird thing to say because, like, fifteen years ago, I was like, the internet's going to change the world for the better, and we're all going to be connected. And <laughs> nope, nope, turns out I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, you had the the sensible thought about it. The hope I had the right hope in my heart, and. Yeah. Well, it's the thing that it's like, I, I think decent, intelligent people are more prone to assuming that everybody else is as decent and intelligent as right. them. So when you have the type of people who flocked to QAnon, that yeah. it's you can't fathom that somebody that, I'm going to use the word ridiculous, <laughs> exists at all. No, so you're, you're right about that because like I see the things that they say and I'm just like that can't no one can actually believe that right but they do like they're out they there absolutely really do that. I ring them up at work all the time <laughs> oh. there there oh there is in fact one lady who uh anytime she comes in I will avoid the front and let her use a uh, self-checkout because if if I ring her out she will look at whatever magazines are by the register and she will start telling me a conspiracy theory about whatever celebrity happens to be on like the cover of Life that oh, week okay. or whatever. Like one time she came in and she started telling me about how uh, Tom Cruise isn't actually Tom Cruise. It's a clone of Tom Cruise that was put in place or uh, to what end? Yeah, that's what I always wonder about a lot of these. Exactly. Like I always think the same thing about the Flat Earthers. Uh huh. Like, we did a whole episode lying to you, and the, you know the Earth is flat, but like. Fucking why? Yeah. Uh-huh. Why would anyone go through the trouble to be like, actually, the Earth's round and you're stupid? Like, what's the point? Why do you think they're lying to you about the Earth being round? 
Uh, there's a bunch of different reasons that yeah. they say it depends on which. They say that NASA lies because they're just wanting money. Oh. But uh, how prudent? NASA, the, the most well-funded. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, a lot of them believe that there's there's something out there on the other side of the ice walls that oh. surround the Earth. Yeah. That okay. they don't want us to know about. Like there's a whole other society. Yeah. Like the Illuminati, basically. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That that's where they're controlling the world from, or there's tons of fresh, untouched land. That they don't want us to be able to get to. Have you seen Attack on Titan at all? Uh, I have watched the first season of it, but it was a long time. Well, it's uh, that would kind of. I don't want to spoil Attack on Titan for anybody. You know, Zach, right there, there's there's a really good podcast out there uh, right oh, now. It it's called Two Towns Over. Oh. <laughs> they've discussed flat Earth. They've discussed oh. the lizard Illuminati. Well, I should uh, definitely you go should, through the backlog. And you should listen to episodes. Yes. Yes. As, many, as much space as I have on my computer. I'll there you go. Yeah. Definitely. There's like 139 episodes. Holy cow. That's yeah, a lot. that you is guys, a lot. I mean, they must be really, really good. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're, the, they're the best podcast out there for stoners. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they also complained about the presence of naked breasts in drawings of female humanoids in the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons manual. Just wait till they hear about Rome. I was going to say, <laughs> wait till they see show Michelangelo's David in school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mainly monsters such as harpies, succubi, and the like. Now, these controversies... I do get why the church would take offense to succubi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. from an objective that's standpoint, not... understand why they would be like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard of in my entire <laughs> life. There, I did see something saying that it was time for a change and quit with the binary succubi and incubus. Uh-huh. And just call it, you know, put it all together as one and call it succubus. Nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> So TSR, or these controversies, led TSR, the original publishers of the game, to remove many potentially controversial references and artwork in releasing the second edition of AD&D, or Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Ah. Yeah. Back in the day, we had two. I see. Two different Dungeons & Dragons. I see. You had the Dungeons & Dragons for pussies, and, and then, then you had advanced. advanced Dungeons and & And in fact, back in the day, you could go up to level 80. Yeah. And if you did, you could retire your character as a god. Nice. Fourth edition, you could do that at level 20. Wow. All you had to do is hit level 20, and then uh, they had some kind of fucking nonsense thing after that, but you were basically a god. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after... Hell, I've listened to enough playthroughs that people who reach level like 10 or 11 are basically (laughs) gods. Right. Well, I think uh, Anthony said it at the beginning of uh, Season 1 Dungeons & Daddies, where he was like, look, the, the first, like, two or three levels of D is like survival horror yeah and then from there it, you, you'll become gods at like level eight mm-hmm. that sounds about right yeah because yeah. i remember the, the last character that i played oh so many years ago now yeah. uh at one point i'd gotten to the point where as long as i didn't crit fail mm-hmm. i always hit yeah because yeah. just Huge ac was so high yeah, or no, my because uh, I used a uh, bow and arrow, so like my range the oh, dexterity okay. was so high. I had something that gave me an advantage on um, in initiative rolls, and I, I was I was pretty bad. And then we just stopped. That's <laughs> the tale of every good D and D campaign. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it stopped. And then it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so many of these references, including the use of the names devils and demons. Uh, were reintroduced in the third edition. Now, the moral panic over the game led to... This was after Wizards of the Coast bought it. Yes. In 19... 
something, 97? 97. And then they did third edition, which is the version I grew up on, because I'm not quite as old as John. Um, but I am older than Josh, so he's, he wins here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like we have plenty of demons and devils and yeah. suck you by. And yeah. it's I, don't, like... I don't think there are any nipples in the book. <laughs> God damn, why play? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can why play your. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. I mean, I have to pretend to crank <laughs> one out? Come on. So the moral panic over the game led to problems for fans of D&D who faced social ostracism, unfair treatment, and false association with the occult and Satanism, regardless of an individual fan's actual religious affiliation and beliefs. Now, on his show, The Eagle's Nest, Pastor Gary Greenwald spoke with Phil Phillips, author of a previous uh, episode, uh, author of Turmoil in the Toy Box, ah. and relayed a story he had heard about someone throwing their D&D dice and figures into the fireplace of their home and were met with the demonic screams coming from the paraphernalia. That's actually just a sound that it makes when plastic burns. No, no, no. That's demons screaming. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Isn't that where they come from? See, No, but don't you have to, like, turn them to ash? It's like the thing. We're the demonologists. We should know. I don't know. Person, I don't know. That's words. I, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, we haven't gotten to the banishment part yet. No, no, no. I was no. Like, we're, we're only like sixty-eight percent of the way yeah. towards becoming certified demonologists. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Pretty, pretty far along. Yeah. We know how to use Jo crystals and. <laughs> what? Uh, explain that to me now. <laughs> What is, it, what is a J.O. crystal? Go ahead. You're going to look at me to explain yeah, what a J.O. crystal Yeah, you're the one that is. introduced this into our lexicon. You go ahead. Um, so a J.O. crystal okay. is a, a white crystal that you hang around your neck, okay. and you, you charge this crystal by just jerking it with a bro. Oh, with a bro? With yes. a bro. Has yeah, to be yeah. at least one with other guy. Uh -huh. Not on yep. the crystal. Just not, in no, the, not on the crystal. The, you don't the, want it on the crystal. Yeah. You gotta be bank to bank it's, or like you gotta look each other in the eye. It's, like, I think that's personal preference. Okay. Is as long as it's <laughs> I would think if you're like eye contact, it would, it would charge it charge stronger. stronger. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> it dates but it was a really old like uh Craigslist. Craigslist posting where this guy was like, need a bro to charge my JO crystal oh, with and okay. yeah, had had this this whole long thing about charging a JO crystal and about how it makes you stronger okay and now you all use those to fight demons yes well according to the demonology course that we are taking which is incredibly reputable we got a big discount <laughs> on it by using promo code boo 40 <clears throat> and <laughs> cost us 25 dollars 25 bucks a each, piece each each, each. each. Yeah. For like a, you get a certificate oh yeah we you do get a yeah, diploma. We print it out yep yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> um and we we learned that you can uh, you can ward off demons with just anything that uh, has meaning to you that oh, that is special okay. to you. So obviously, a J.O. crystal, crystal will yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. Okay. According to the subject material. Yeah. What? Should we go ahead and have him charge it before he has to leave? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's Mine part of the. Okay, cool. Yeah. And max capacity. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't encountered any demons in a long time. Oh my god! <laughs> but you play so much D and D. I know. So right? surely. So, well, I, I I keep my dice well away from the fire, so they don't escape. You've got an 80th level yeah. Jo crystal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just bouncing off the walls on its own. 
So, however, the controversy was also beneficial in invoking what is called the Streisand effect by giving the game widespread notoriety by significantly increasing sales in the early 1980s in defiance of the moral panic. Yep, same thing that happens when the news covers, uh, like, prank TikTok challenges. Like the one, did you see NyQuil Chicken? Yes. Yeah, right. Did you? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, right. So it was a thing that people did, like, as a joke. Nobody was even actually doing it. One, One of them was a guy, like, cooking NyQuil Chicken, but he was using, like, a pencil to flip it. Like, he was just using random objects to make it more visually funny. And the news was like, oh, my God, people are doing this and they're eating it. We have to cover it. And no, nobody actually was. It was just funny. haha TikTok videos. But they gave it way the fuck more attention. They mm-hmm. stressed and affected it. Yeah, I, was saying, I work in a bookstore at the moment. And last year, I think it was Tennessee banned mouse from their right. libraries and schools. And I cannot tell you the amount of copies that we sold immediately yes. following. People came in and were like, well, I have to read Mouse now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's, it's just like that. Negative, like that old phrase, like any, any publicity is good pu- publicity. Right. I stumbled over that. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's Dude. just like that. <laughs> did you not listen to me read the last episode? <laughs> I didn't. No. I, was, I kind of zoned out. <laughs> for this, charging my J.O. Crystal. And, <laughs> and laughing at the name Mrs. Cox. Yes. Yeah, still. So... <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons has been the subject of rumors regarding players having difficulty separating fantasy from reality, even leading to psychotic episodes. The most notable of these was the saga of James Dallas Egbert III, who, right there, you just know his life was miserable. I know. Yeah. <laughs> James Dallas Egbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's was, a cartoon character. That's not a real person. Who was a student at Michigan State. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Actually, probably really hard. It probably yeah. was. No, we're so insensitive here. Yeah. <laughs> We've been sensitive sometimes. No, sometimes. We were fairly yeah. sensitive during the Junko Furuta. We were pretty sensitive for that. Only because your girlfriend yes. was sitting in the room the whole time. Well, she <laughs> needed to be, I think, for that exact reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah. So, James Ellis Egbert was a student at Michigan State University who disappeared from his dorm room on August 15th, 1979. Egbert was a child prodigy and entered Michigan State University at age 16, where he majored in computer science. Personal problems cited in the reports of his suicide attempt and disappearance include depression, loneliness, parental pressure, drug addiction, and, according to private detective William Deere, difficulty in coming to terms with his homosexuality. Yeah, Zach and I were talking about this right before uh, you got here. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the two of this tunnels under the sewers were apparently used for like a live action version of D&D. Right. So you go down there with your foam swords or whatever and beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. But uh, like people got lost down there. Mm-hmm. There's no maps. There's no mm-hmm. like real lighting or anything. So yeah. if you make a wrong turn, you don't know. Like, right. you can get lost. And that's what, well, I'm going to let you go on this because <laughs> I did, I put a lot of notes in here. Right. I remember a lot of things from the Wikipedia articles I read. So, so on August twenty yeah, second, this is the thing though: is we we'll usually we'll make a lot of jokes about like how much the name Egbert sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but we we will be sensitive to what actually happened yeah. to somebody. So on August twenty second, Egbert's parents hired William Deere, a private investigator who was an acquaintance of Egbert's uncle, to help locate their son. Now, according to Deere, 
In their first conversation, Egbert's mother raised the possibility that her son had committed suicide and complained that Michigan State had not notified them that their son was missing until August 20th, five days after he was last seen. Yikes. Did they win a lawsuit on this? I don't, I don't know. I didn't go that deep into his story. I have the book at home. I just never got around to reading it. William Deere's book? Yeah, The Dungeon Master. Yeah. Because they did a, there's a fictionalized version of this too. Mazes and Monsters, which we'll get to. Starring America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) So on August 24th, Michael Stewart, a a journalist for the university's newspaper, The State News, published details of the case, including the assertion by an anonymous friend that of Egbert's that the missing student was, quote, known to leave campus before for destinations unknown. Stewart's article prompted growing media interest in Egbert's disappearance. After Deer learned that Egbert had played Dungeons and Dragons, he publicly amplified police theories that Egbert's disappearance was linked to the game. Students were said to play live-action sessions of the game in the steam maintenance tunnels below the campus, and it was speculated that Egbert had entered the tunnels and had either been injured or lost his way. Now, this connection to the role-playing game to Egbert's disappearance prompted breathless coverage of both Egbert and the game in media outlets around the United States. Dungeons & Dragons was described as a, quote, bizarre and secretive cult, which players could only join by invitation. Oh, man. He he lived in Ohio, too? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a truly tragic life. Ohio wasn't that bad. Of course, I only drove through it, but... Um, I've never been to Ohio. Lord willing, I never will go to <laughs> I went to Ohio willingly. Oh, you go to what? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay, I mean, that's worth it. Hola. Good, Mr. Rubin. It is I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I actually cannot find anything about a lawsuit taking place over it, which is really sad because they should have sued the school. Well, yeah, that is surprising. Well, Jack, I have to say, you're looking fucking rock and roll Thank today. You. I love it. Brush my hand for once. <laughs> Hell yeah, me too. Nice. Yeah, nice. I can see. <clears throat> so I don't own a brush. <laughs> yeah, the one who needs it the most. Not really. No, this is just it. Just does this. Yeah. Okay. Do, it doesn't really tangle. It's I our, say our, as our I our hair metal it. boys yeah. and our <laughs> hair metal dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting. I'm growing the Viking beard. I like it. It's gonna, and eventually yeah. I'm gonna get like a. Give you the braid, yeah. Hell yeah. When it gets hell yeah. (laughs) I'm just I'm I'm in that fuck it phase of my life. And now it's time for Chick Track Theater, the part of the show where we reenact a Chick Track comic. Our curtain opens on a group of teenagers sitting around a table playing Dungeons and Dragons. Mister Frost, an older man, is the dungeon master. Okay, wizard, cast your spell. My spell of light blinds the monster. The thief, Blackleaf, fails to find the poison trap, and I declare him dead. No! Not Blackleaf! No! No, I'm gonna die! Don't make me quit the game! Please don't! Somebody save me! You, you can't do this! Marcus, get out of here. You're dead. You don't exist anymore. Goodbye. L- Later that day... Danny, your wizard has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. You mean you're going to teach me to have real power? Yes, you have the personality for it now. Through the intense occult training with D&D, Danny was prepared to accept the invitation to enter the witch's coven. 
I've brought Elfstar to become a priest and a witch. Welcome, Elfstar. Now you will become a priest of the craft and of the Temple of Diana. A few weeks later... Mr. Frost, this is fantastic. This makes the game real. It's not a fantasy anymore. Last night, I cast my first spell. This is real power. I knew you were ready by the way you played the game. But this is just the beginning. There is so much more. Which spell did you cast, Danny? I have used mind bondage on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing D&D. And what was the result? He just bought me $200 of D&D minis and manuals. It was great! Later that week... Danny, Marcus is on the phone. He wants to talk to you. He's really upset. Not now. I'm fighting the zombie. Tell him I'll see him tonight. Later that evening... Hi, Mr. Anderson. Marcus wanted me to see him tonight. I'm glad you're here, Danny. Marcus has shut himself in his room and won't come out. He hasn't been himself for weeks. Ever since his character in the game was killed, it's as if a part of him died. Maybe you can talk some sense into him. When Danny opens Marcus's bedroom, he bears witness to a shocking sight. Marcus has hung himself. No! Marcus! No! You didn't have to! Beneath Marcus's body, a simple note reads, It's my fault Blackleaf died. I can't go on alone. Danny rushes to Mr. Frost's house. Mr. Frost, I can't get Marcus out of my mind. If I had left the game, he would still be here. Get your priorities straight, Danny. Your spiritual growth through the game is more important than some lousy loser's life. It would have happened sooner or later. His spirit was weak. But the law of our faith is that we can do anything we want as long as we harm no one. But now we have harmed Marcus. Don't be stupid, Danny. I think you better let Elfstar take care of things. You're getting out of control. I, I don't, I don't want to be Elfstar anymore. I want to be Danny. I want to be Danny. This has been Chick Track Theater. Tune in next time to hear Satan say, "That's not how we do it in Pathfinder." You deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> so the search for Egbert continued unsuccessfully for Egbert. Several, yes. Yes. For several weeks. <laughs> it was later learned that during this time, Egbert moved between two other houses in East Lansing and then finally left the city via bus for New Orleans. Now, while he was in New Orleans, hold on. Someone give me a brief rundown of what we've gone through. D&D. Yeah. It exists. Uh, you, you play yeah. it like this. Gygax was a part of Gigax, Gigax was apparently. It's actually pronounced Gigax, we found. Uh, Eat my ass. <laughs> like, still not 100% not, not lying around that. Um, uh, yeah, and then this young man killed himself. And oh. tried to blame it on D&D. Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. What a surprise. Yep. Yeah. Uh, su- succubus, scare Christians. Yes. Uh, can't show nipples in books. Yes. Um, that's, that's, on some, that's on some modern Florida. <laughs> So while he was in New Orleans, Egbert made a second suicide attempt by consuming a cyanide compound. Whoa. Jesus. So this, uh, this attempt also failed, and he then moved on to Morgan City, Louisiana, where he found employment as a roustabout. I, Tell me what a roustabout is, Don. Uh, someone that travels with the circus to set up the tents. And, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Arnie, yeah. Arnie, okay. basically. But for a circus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's strange to me that... Um, People been trying to kill themselves for eternity, for real, and I don't understand why we latch onto reasons that are 
external like that are that can't possibly have anything to do with it like pretending to be a fantasy wizard right or like killing aliens on a moon in a video game <laughs> yeah. you know like it's how does that have anything to do with my depression or suicide you know what i mean yeah so after only four days on the job egbert called deer the private investigator, and revealed his location. Egbert and Deer sounds yeah. like a morning radio talk show. Ooh. Deer traveled I'm to Josh, Louisiana. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Egbert Deer. <laughs> Deer traveled to Louisiana. Others reported Texas and re- recovered Egbert. Upon their meeting, Egbert asked the investigator c- to conceal the truth of his story. Deer agreed and released Egbert to the custody of his uncle, Marvin Gross, on September 13, 1979. Now, Egbert died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound on August 16th, 1980, almost exactly a year after his story generated national attention. In 1984, Deer revealed Egbert's story in his book, The Dungeon Master. Oh, God. The disappearances were widely reported, and his participation in Dungeons & Dragons was seized upon by press and investigators alike as being potentially related to his disappearance. So, wait, did Deer's book have the spin that it was because of D&D no. or I didn't think so. Yeah. It right. sound- <clears throat> Sorry. When you just said what it was about, I did say, Oh no. But like, because of the title being right. kind of sensationalist, mm-hmm. but then you started describing it and I was like, Oh, he's saying it's, it's what I just said. Right. Basically. Right. Uh, the facts of Egbert's story uh, were fictionalized in the novel Mazes and Monsters and later made into a TV movie in 1982 starring Tom Hanks. Dude has a he, such a good, the Dungeon Master also, great title. <laughs> such a good title, yeah. Uh, William Deere, in his book The Dungeon Master, however, refuted any connection with D&D and Egbert's personal issues. Now, the game was blamed for some of the actions of Chris Pritchard, who was convicted in 1990 of murdering his stepfather. Oh, yeah. I remember this guy, too. Research by various psychologists, starting with Armando Simon, has concluded that no harmful effects were related to the playing of D&D. 80s did names better. I just got to say it. <laughs> Honestly, man. Well, this would have, he was probably in the 70s. He Still. Like, uh, he was probably like early 20s, yeah. maybe a late teenager. But Fair. Fair. So, remember, right? It just turned out his stepdad had a shit ton of money, and he wanted that money. Oh, yeah, Chris Pritchard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. If I'm remembering mm-hmm. Yep. So that, was, That'll do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So Dungeons & Dragons has also been cited as encouraging people to socialize weekly or biweekly, teaching problem-solving skills, which can be beneficial in adult life, and teaching positive moral decisions. Damn, we use, like, we use a podcast for that. That sounds like <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's Satanism. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking. Which yeah. brings us to... <laughs> Which brings us to Patricia Pulling. Now, Patricia Pulling was an anti-occult campaigner from Richmond, Virginia. She founded Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons, or Jesus, (laughs) which also was known as Bad. She's trying to suck on that mother, what is it, Mothers Against Drunk Driving Mm -hmm. energy. Uh Exactly what it was. An advocacy group that was dedicated to the regulation of role-playing games. She should have said bitches against D&D. That would have been (laughs) so much more powerful. (laughs) Now, pulling form bad after her son Irving committed suicide by shooting himself in the chest on June 9th, 1982. Shooting himself in the chest? Yeah. That's a wild choice. You don't hear that a lot. No. That's a crazy choice. That's not how you usually go about that. No. Um... Yeah, so Irving was active in role-playing games, and she believed his suicide was directly related to the Dungeons & Dragons game. Holy shit. 
The grieving mother first filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her son's high school principal, Robert A. Bracey, holding him as responsible for what she claimed was a D&D curse placed upon her son's character shortly before his death. I've seen that movie adaptation of a trick track. <laughs> I think it's called Dark Dungeons. Oh, yeah. We'll be getting to that later. <laughs> um, she also filed a suit against TSR Inc., D&D's publishers, and she appeared on an episode of 60 Minutes, and which, which also featured Gigax, and which aired in 1985. Gigax let her have it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call him that. It's Gigax, uh, Gigax for sure. I, <laughs> Gary Gigax. Gary. <laughs> Geralt. (laughs) (laughs) So pulling founded the public advocacy group bothered about Dungeons and Dragons in 1983 after all of her lawsuits were dismissed and began publishing information circulating her belief that D&D encouraged devil worship and suicide. Bad described D&D as, quote, a fantasy role playing game which uses (sighs) demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. Those so, are just two schools of magic. Also, real quick, <laughs> all I the do good have stuff. to say, the, well, the only, the only credit she gets is for not putting sexual perversion and homosexuality homose- That's a separate <laughs> thing. <laughs> Normally, back then, that was all lumped together. Yep. Good on her. (laughs) So, Bad achieved some success in airing its views in the press. (laughs) This is what progress looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Both through conservative Christian media properties as well as mainstream outlets. Uh, The organization distributed its materials in Australia through conservative advocacy groups affiliated with the Reverend Fred Nile, such as the Australian Federation for Decency. In addition, Pulling obtained a private investigator's license, became a consultant to law enforcement, and was an expert witness in several gaming-related lawsuits, all of which lost in court. Good. Good. She became a director of the National Coalition on TV Violence in 1984. In 1985, a segment of 60 Minutes was aired. It was hosted by Ed Bradley, who stated, Dungeons & Dragons has become popular with children anywhere from grammar school on up. Not so with a lot of adults who think it's been connected to a number of suicides and murders. Now, it featured interviews with Gygax. That Dr. was a great 60 Minutes voice. By the way. It really was. <laughs> it was. a lot better than your little kid. I know. <laughs> I a lot better, less creepy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I would have been here for that. <laughs> so it featured interviews with Gygax, Dr. Thomas Radecki, president of the National Coalition on TV Violence, and Patricia Pulling. Now, I will say, I am not saying that, like, Doom is appropriate for a six-year-old. No. You know what I'm saying? Especially not the new ones that <laughs> that are gory on purpose. You could probably run Doom on a six-year-old. You, I mean, you could run Doom on anything. <laughs> but, like... And I don't believe, like, if you're five, you should just get to watch Game of Thrones. Because that shit is, you know, explicit. I'm not going to say vulgar, because that's a conservative word. But, like, <laughs> it's... There are limits for sure, but at the same time, if you're six, you probably have somebody watching over you uh-huh. who should be able to tell you not to do those things. Right. And it is not the jo- I feel like we've said this so many times on our podcast. It is not my job to raise your children. Yeah. Or the, the government's job. Right. To raise your children. Exactly. Or other children. Right. Yeah. So. Their job is literally keep keep. 
make sure as many people don't die as possible. That's it. That's the whole job. So it also included interviews with parents of players of the game who had allegedly murdered people and died by suicide in connection with the game. Radecki linked the game to 28 murders and suicide. Boy, oh boy. In response, Gygax stated, this is make-believe. No one is martyred. There is no violence there. To use an analogy with another game, who is bankrupted by a game of Monopoly? Nobody is. The money isn't real. There is no link except perhaps in the mind of those people who are looking desperately for any other cause than their own failures as a parent. Damn. Damn. That is succinct. That's hard-hitting journalism right there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So a 1988 murder case in Washington, North Carolina, brought Dungeons & Dragons more unfavorable publicity because members of a Dungeons & Dragons gaming group were involved, which brings us back to Chris Pritchard. Chris Pritchard, a student at North Carolina State University, allegedly (coughs) masterminded the murder of his stepfather, Leith von Stein, for his $2 million fortune. Oh, that's the end of the story. Yeah. $2 million in the 90s. In like 1990, like, yeah. yeah, bro, two million dollars right now. Yeah, oh yeah, that got you a lot more. Oh yeah. <laughs> now Von Stein and his wife Bonnie, who was Pritchard's mother, were no way. Were <laughs> what? Leith and Bonnie. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, were both bludgeoned and stabbed by a masked assailant in their bedroom, leaving the husband fatally wounded and the wife gravely injured. You, you could say. They, they got a lot of bang for their buck. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so Chris Pritchard had a history of mutual antagonism with his stepfather. Some joke about initiative in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> they lost the role. Yeah, they lost the role. And investigators learned over the course of a year that Pritchard had become involved with drugs and alcohol while attending NCSU. But the authorities focused on his role-playing group after a game map depicting the Von Stein house turned up as physical evidence. Pritchard's friend, Neil Henderson, and James Upchurch were implicated in a plot to help Pritchard kill his stepfather. It's almost like if I need a plot for a house and I don't know how to draw those, I might use my house. Yeah. Right. So all three young men went to state prison in 1990. Uh, Henderson and Pritchard have since been paroled. Upchurch's death sentence was commuted to life in 1992, and he is still serving his term. What? Yeah. Oh, well, he did yeah, do a murder. Yeah, yeah, up church he did do a murder. Yeah. I was thinking in terms of the D&D. <laughs> no. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense now when I when it's about murder. Yeah. yeah. So true crime authors Joe McGinnis and Jerry Bledsoe played up the role-playing angle. Much attention was given to Upchurch's influence and power as a dungeon master. Like any dungeon master in real life has any power whatsoever. Same fucking thing. <laughs> We really are just tossed in a storm of other people's decisions, really. <laughs> it's like... So Bledsoe's... You can't even get four people to show up. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Bledsoe's book, Blood Games, was made into a TV movie, Honor Thy Mother, in 1992. That same year, McGinnis's book was adapted into a two-part TV miniseries, Cruel Doubt, directed by Yves Simono. Or Simono. None of these should have good names. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> and I don't like it. Both television films depicted Dungeons and Dragons handbooks with artwork doctored to imply that they had inspired the murder. Oh my fucking god! So Patricia they photoshopped it. Yeah. So Patricia Pulling co-authored a book, "The Devil's Web: Who Was Stalking Your Children for Satan," published in 1989. Oh, if it was in the 90s, it was definitely paint. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So the book makes no distinction between H.P. Lovecraft's fictional Necronomicon and the Simon Necronomicon, which is a realization of the book, which we have an episode on the Necronomicon. Go back and listen to it. So, yeah. Hi. True crime podcast I've ever heard. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> so much. We are one portion- number 17 in the Netherlands or whatever. It was hey, the United, United, Arab, United Emirates. Arab Emirates number 17. One portion of the book urges police officers to open interrogations of suspected teenage occultists with the question, have you read the Necronomicon or are you familiar with it? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that counts. Yeah. Ruth, you're you're gonna love this. Apparently, we got a comment calling us uh, a true crime podcast by stoners for stoners. That's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> my dreams have been realized. <laughs> so, as the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons and other role playing games increased, Pulling's views and statements were increasingly called into question. For example, she once told a newspaper reporter that eight percent of the people living in Richmond, Virginia, were Satanists. She had arrived at this figure. That's a that's a good percentage, I think. Yeah. But she arrived at this figure, she explained, by estimating... There are estimating, less black people in certain cities. <laughs> but she arrived at this figure by estimating that 4% of adults and 4% of teenagers were involved with Satanism and just added those two numbers together to get 8%. That is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am not a mathematician. That is not how that works. No. At all. When the reporter informed her that mathematically that was 4%, not 8%, she claimed that it did not matter because even 8% was a conservative figure. No. No. Oh, no. it's a conservative figure. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so in 1989, game player and designer Michael Stackpole wrote a book called Game Hysteria and the Truth. Also, there's never, I'm sorry to get hung up on it. There's never exactly the same percentage of teenagers and adults that are into anything. No. <laughs> Nothing. And if you're going to pull Satan, make it 6%. 6% adults, 6%. It's like it's throw in 6% of children. Yeah. 6% you go. of. You've got your 666. I was going to oh, say elderly, too. It's yeah, 6% of teens, 6% oh, of adults, dude. and. You know, fucking throwing up the horns. <laughs> uh-huh. Satan becoming Hell, more Satan! and more popular with geriatrics. More on this from Geraldo at 8. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the book Game Hysteria and the Truth went into all the flaws, misconceptions, inaccuracies, omissions of relevant details, and questionable practices including calling her editing of newspaper accounts illegal since newspapers are copyrighted material and the owners are not contacted about the use of their articles uh, regarding Pulling's claims about RPGs in general and D&D in particular. Concluding. So he dropped the receipts, but in the 90s. Yeah. uh So if the suicide (laughs) statistics of the 14 years since D&D's introduction show anything at all, gamers kill themselves at a rate that is a fraction of that of their peers. A year later, the main points of game hysteria and the truth regarding pulling were reiterated by Stackpole in the pulling report. It's almost like if you have an activity that forces you to think creatively with a group of your friends, even once a month or twice a year, that shit helps. Right. Right. Can't believe it. It's, I think for me, the most serotonin generating experience I've ever had in my entire life. That's an exaggeration was in destiny one. They released a mass, the first raid that came out for the game. Uh. Um, when they released it, there was like a challenge issued by the developer that was like, who's going to be the first team to complete this raid? We're not going to give you any info on how it needs to be done. And it's a lot of like really difficult challenges and platforming and stuff. And uh, me and fucking five other dudes 
that I did not know at all. I don't think any of us knew each other prior whatsoever. We just got together and we sat there for like five hours and brain powered our way through this thing and finally managed to beat it. Like we ended up having to come back for a second session because it was so hard to Mm -hmm. figure out with no guidance whatsoever. But we finally fucking did it. And when the health bar, the final raid boss went down, it was like, oh my God, me and five other dudes just managed to put our heads together and only screamed at each other a few times for (laughs) fucking up mechanics. But it it was incredible. It was exactly what you just said where it was... It feels a, fucking good a to group think of people having to think creatively to solve yep. a problem. It's because that's your brain is literally evolved to do that uh-huh. or built. Right. If you believe that it was built, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's you, it, from everything we know, we are social animals. So, yes, we do need breaks. We're not a hive mind, but you do need to do collaborative shit, even if it's just. Yeah sit around for an hour and a half and talk about how D&D isn't evil. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the Polar Report was a review highly critical of BAD's methods of data collecting, analysis, and reporting. Stackpole found that Pulling had given a misleading account regarding her qualifications, and after he published his report in 1990, Pulling quit BAD. Wow. He went for her qualifications. Yep. Came for the throat, yep. dude. In 1991, the American Association of Suicidology, or Suicidology, which I didn't know was a real thing. I don't. That's where, like, all those statistics and shit come from. Uh, uh, The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Health and Welfare of Canada all concluded that there was no causal link between fantasy gaming and suicide. Well, those are just experts, Don. Why should we trust them? I know. So in 1997, Wizards of the... I (laughs) Well... So in 1997, Wizards of the Coast purchased TSR and started to reintroduce terminology in the second edition that TSR had removed. This shift was seen in books such as A Paladin in Hell from 1998 and A Guide to Hell from 1999. Peter Adkinson, uh, president of Wizards of the Coast, directed Monty Cook to start the reintroduction. Cook was very happy to bring demons and devils back. He felt that their removal had just been lip service to the people who had complained. It was that if they yep. picked up a monster manual and saw a gargoyle, they'd still think that they had game that the game had demons. These later supplements mm-hmm. used both styles and terminology interchangeably as the sanitized names themselves had been part of Dungeons and Dragons mythology for almost a decade. In 2000, the third edition of the game was released and addressed demonology far more explicitly than materials from previous editions. However, relations and interactions with these creatures are explicitly said to be evil. The fervor- yeah, it's almost like the book labels entire groups of creatures as bad guys. Right. Like <laughs> It's the same as... That's a whole different controversy that I think we should be critical of Dungeons & Dragons about. I agree. <laughs> right. Well, it's the same way people come for doom. Yeah, yeah. demons can be evil. That's what they're for. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like I always say, put Nazis as your bad guys. Yes. Who's going to complain? Who's going to care about getting a right. Nazi getting shot? Like, a Nazi. The bad guys. Right. You kill them. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, it is like that. It's like when every action movie uses the Russian mob. Yeah, like, right. why are you going to be mad about that or sad about that? It's the fucking mob. Yeah. Like, you're going to make me play Wolfenstein again. <laughs> Don't make me do it. So, find Mecha Hitler. Chain gun and that'll give you some. Yeah, good shit. Yeah. 
I just started playing Doom 2016 because it was on Game Pass, and that shit feels great. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Doom Eternal's great as well. So the fervor surrounding Dungeons & Dragons had died down, which meant that the third edition of the game could experiment with new kinds of content without fear of controversy. In 2016, the New York Times reported that the moral panic over Dungeons & Dragons had subsided as parental anxieties have turned to video games, notably those dripping with gore. Thanks for taking the heat. And then... We're up to Lieberman and yeah. that other nerd's name. The <laughs> one that was always like Jank John something. Fuck. We we talked about this too, and I can't remember. Yeah, well, there was a senator by the name Senator Lieberman yeah. who was big on demonizing. Um, yeah, I can't remember what his big game was. I think it was GTA. It was either GTA or Mortal Kombat. I feel like it was Mortal Kombat and Night Trap that led to the ESRB. Night Trap led to the ESRB. Yeah, he's unimportant. They were they were (laughs) wrong. So you are right to forget him. I thought we checked it. So Radley Balco, a reporter for the Washington Post, the episode no real quiet. The ending. Oh, just the ending. Yeah. No, no, no. This we're almost done. Oh my god. Yeah. So no, no, no. I meant like <laughs> what, what, if you guys checked it, like maybe halfway through the episode, he goes quiet, and then you just have to figure out. <laughs> yeah. So Radley Balco, a reporter for the Washington Post, highlighted the connection to the larger satanic panic movement that began in the 1970s, and wrote the direct consequences of this particular moral panic wasn't as severe as some others. It mostly involved efforts to ban the game. And, of course, led to ostracizing the kids who played it. Do you know what's crazy is that it did. It lasted so long that I knew about D&D and didn't play it because some of the grownups in my life, much like with Harry Potter, were Uh, like, that's the devil's work. I don't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. When I was trying to get Brandon into it, I asked uh, people in our church because they had kids roughly Brandon's age. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I thinking about letting brandon play dungeons and dragons and they were like no that has demons and stuff and i was like wow gentlemen that is my time to go as my wife is calling me all right right. (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming we really appreciate it absolutely there are some bad words for the internet hell you go closest thing to an expert we've ever had because zach did in fact run a comic book shop exactly do a lot of D &D events D &D for years and years and years so i'm always happy to talk about it hell yeah all right you don't have anything do you have anything to plug before you go no i don't have anything to plug Mm. i didn't even think about that uh listen to uh, my favorite true crime podcast uh, two towns over. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> and that's the only plug I got. You're welcome right. back right. anytime you yeah, want to be. Happy to do this again. When, we, when we start doing some more D&D, you'll hear more of Zach. Uh, yes. Hell yeah. All right. It's great having you. Let me get that. Oh, okay. yeah. So the larger trend did have some pretty devastating fallout, particularly within the criminal justice system. Now, the moral panic over Dungeons and Dragons served as a plot element for the fourth season of Stranger Things set in the mid-1980s, in which portions of a town's population came to believe unusual deaths are caused by the local school's D&D club and its perceived connection to satanic rituals. What? Ow. <laughs> Ruben's laughing because literally oh, the literally second the Zach second. gives up this chair, oh. I oh. pull it over and use it as a footrest. <laughs> it caught me off guard. <laughs> it kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> so that's it. Oh. That God. was... That was D and D's satanic history. D and D's personal fight with uh, 
the world, apparently. <laughs> the world of satanic panic. Yep. I wish Egbert had gotten the help he needed, because I want to meet a guy named Egbert. That was right? his last name. I don't give a shit. His full name was James Dallas Did Egbert III. children and or uh, no. family members that might have had children, and also the last name Egbert? Maybe. I know he didn't because he was 16 in college and mm. 17 when he died. 17 when he died. Up, yeah. So um, I do have to point out while we're here, uh, Gygax apparently. Yeah. Less than favorable views on women. Yeah. No, he was not like a cool dude. Nope. No. He just had a really good idea that we stole from him. Uh huh. Much like H.P. Lovecraft and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I yep. say stole a little bit in jest but like really he he and his friends made up a game that they played and then they sold it for a little while and then someone else bought it and made it the thing we like yep you know so well, it's even then like you were talking about in the beginning a lot of the mechanics uh that we know and love from D were actually uh what was his name Ar- arneson arneson mm-hmm. they were actually his idea rather yeah. than gygax although Gygax yeah. just had the name on it, really. In it was a collaborative pop culture, thing. we look at Gygax as the inventor of D&D. Well, I mean, it's just D&D. like Steve Jobs and Apple. Steve Wozniak was in there, too. Yeah. We don't really talk about Wozniak. Wozniak. Yep. Yeah. Me and my dad were talking about that last night, and we were trying to figure out what the other Steve's name was. Uh-huh. The only reason I know that is because he guest starred on The Big Bang Theory. Otherwise, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have known that his name was Wozniak. I didn't know anything I, about him. I knew his name was Wozniak because we did. We learned about that in one of my classes. One of my um, history teachers was a really cool dude, actually. And he didn't really give a shit about dumb rules. Right. Like, he wouldn't give a shit. Like, we were in high school. He was like, you guys are seniors. I don't give a shit if we cuss at each other. Right. As long as we're not, like legit you know like legit trying to hurt somebody right do what the fuck you want he would have shit on his uh thing one time i came in and the whole day he just had the only thing on the fucking back the the board uh projector Ah. was a meme and it was i can't brain today i've got the dumb nice the whole day and we just hung out that day yep it was a good day he was cool too he was cool dude and he taught us about like why Steve Jobs was an asshole. Yeah, his words. <laughs> like they all are in the end. Oh, for sure. So, real quick, I uh, want to discuss the fact that we have discovered that you can now comment on Spotify. <gasps> I've been waiting. Yes, all legit. You get- I have wanted that for so long. I am an <laughs> avid podcast listener, and I oh boy, just go when you click on it in the screen where you can like adjust jumping forward or whatever. If you scroll past that, you'll see a red thing that says leave a comment or what do you think? But uh, I just want to read some of the comments that we've gotten. Yes. Um, we've actually already gotten quite a few. Yeah. I'm glad that Spotify did this because this the is vast awesome. majority of our listeners are on yeah. Spotify. Like the vast, vast majority. This is so good. I have wanted – Spotify has been becoming more and more of a social media platform or it's been trying to. Yeah. And I think the only thing it ever needed to do – you can already follow whoever the fuck you want, whatever. You, we can follow each other. But, like, it only needed comments. That's the only thing. You need comments and a thumbs up, thumbs down system. Right. That's all. So the first comment was left on our Turmoil in the Toy Box episode. I'm actually so excited. By a Jennifer Constantino. And she says, as an agnostic who lives their life in, the accord- in accordance with the teachings of Jesus Christ and the Satanic Temple, 
It's good to know that the TTO pod people are so like-minded. All hell, Lord Skeletor. <laughs> Skeletor! Uh, let's see here. We have... Grayskull shall be mine! That's just a thumbs up. That's <laughs> just a thumbs up. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I know I saw uh, one from Carly where she said uh, the episodes just get better and better. Yeah. So this was released on the Satanic Temple. Carly said every episode just gets better and better. And then Jennifer Constantino again uh, report or commented, it's important to underscore that the Satanic Temple practiced ritual abuse and sacrifice just as much as that preschool did. I guess she's talking about McMartin. Uh, which uh, is not which at is, all. Which is to say not at all. Script <laughs> research is excellent. Uh, I guess I love the hilarity because it looks like an emoji that didn't load. And we'll this get is into- so good. I'm just basking in the fact that we have comments on our shit. I know. Like people took the time to write things mm-hmm. to us. Yep. And on the Australian it Urban Legends, to make me um, happy, man. hometown haints. Um, Even when it's that one lady who's like, fuck you guys, I'm skipping. Right. <laughs> I'm still so glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, they said, I can't, they did have a symbol. It looks like headphones. Uh, Don, said, it's like you're trying to read these comments from Androids on an iPhone or whatever, but in, <laughs> ni- in like 2010. Yeah, emojis don't seem to work on <laughs> yeah, Spotify. But right they now. say, uh, funny as hell, love this so goddamn much. Oh, yeah. And then Jennifer Constantino again. Jennifer, get it. <laughs> <laughs> states, myths, folklore, and urban legends, for stoners, by stoners, whether they are honorary or practicing, Plus, recurring guest Sharknado's Will Wiley. If you like to laugh, give it a listen. Five stars. Jennifer's going to make us big <laughs> by herself, for sure. But that wraps up the D&D podcast, uh, finally. We um, finally got back to it. I did want to say a thing real quick, because we've gotten quite a few messages now from people telling us that we've helped them get through stuff. Yeah. Like when they were having a bad day, they were able to put us on, and it helped. And that's so fucking cool to me because we all have media that has helped us throughout life. And it's it's wild to me. Like I always when I was a kid and everything, like I hoped one day I would be able to make something that would also help people right? or be a part of making something that would help people like that. Mm-hmm. And it's really surreal to to see it come to fruition now like it's really fucking cool josh's dream is better than mine (laughs) (laughs) i i just love hearing that so much and it's fucking awesome and i want to take a page out of uh i've I've taken a couple pages out of his book there's a guy that i watch on youtube that does speed running content called uh tomato anus Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I, i stole my aka bit from him and uh i'm gonna quote him here a little bit too uh he says that almost every single episode that he puts out he talks about how no feeling is final and make sure you also give yourself credit for getting through hard times don't give all the credit to the media that you listen to that helps you get through it it's mm-hmm. you that got through it yeah i wasn't actually there you were right you did exactly it. <laughs> exactly but you know it's just awesome and i'm so glad that we're able to be a uh, part of helping people but I'll quit being sappy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, not really sure what next week's episode is going to be yet. We have to discuss that off air. Um, but uh, 
I guess that about wraps us up. Anything else anybody wants to say? Uh, this has been, t- I mean, fuck cancer. Oh, yeah, fuck, fuck cancer. cancer. Yeah. Shout out to plant babies. Shout yeah. out, shouts out to the plant babies. Now that we're officially a stoner podcast for stoner, <laughs> <by> stoners. <laughs> I don't even know if they still listen. I haven't heard from them in we haven't, I don't, yeah, over I haven't a year. I haven't anything from them. But maybe they got We got other plant babies. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. This so- has been Two Towns Over. We hope you jo- you enjoyed your visit. Yes. And we will see you next time. He's been Don. That yes. one's been Reuben. I've been a rambunctious marauder. Okay. A rambunctious marauder? Mm-hmm. That's only two things. Usually there's three words. Yeah. <laughs> we don't always use our middle names. Oh. <laughs> okay. And I've been Josh, a.k.a. Egbert's best friend. Oh. Right. Yes. Well, we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.